You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Jets podcast for Thursday, September 23rd, 2021. I'm your host, John B. from gangreennation.com. The Locked On NFL Draft podcast has relaunched. Eric Crocker brings the player scouting. Ryan Tracy brings the analytics. Follow the Locked On NFL Draft podcast on YouTube, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today we will have our weekly crossover Thursday show. I will be speaking with Cody and Sayer. They are the co-hosts of Locked On Broncos, and we will discuss the week three game between the Jets and the Broncos scheduled for this Sunday in Denver. There was a bit of Jets news on Wednesday that we need to discuss, however, and that's Zach Wilson appearing on the injury report. The Jets listed Wilson as having a groin injury, and he was a full participant in practice. It does not sound like he's in any danger of missing Sunday's game. Wednesday night, news came out that he actually suffered the injury week one against Carolina. Jeff Howe, a reporter with The Athletic, broke that story. And you may remember that week one game against Carolina because the offensive line was not doing its job. Wilson was taking too many hits. We don't know exactly when he suffered the injury, but he did sustain a groin injury in that game against Carolina. Now, Howe stated that there may be some maintenance that's required on the injury in the weeks ahead, but it does not sound like Wilson will miss any time. In fact, he played with it week two against New England. If he suffered it week one, then obviously he was playing through it last weekend. I don't think you can really draw a connection between the injury and Wilson's performance, but this is definitely something worth watching as we move forward. The Jets have not done a good job at the quarterback position behind Wilson. They need him in there. I mean, as bad as Sunday's game was, there's no alternative. And if he has to miss any time, this could get really ugly. And you don't want to hear that your quarterback's banged up at this point of the year, even if he's not going to miss any time. So we'll keep our eye on that. Also appearing on the injury list was Jamison Crowder, who did not practice with a groin injury. I think most of us were expecting Crowder to play last weekend. He came off the COVID list, but he was inactive for the game. And again, not practicing due to a groin injury. In fact, Robert Sala has indicated that perhaps Crowder, even if he's ready to go on Sunday, maybe on something of a pitch count. Sala, speaking to the media yesterday, alluded to the idea that he may end up splitting reps with Braxton Berrios on Sunday if indeed he is healthy. The Jets could use Crowder in the lineup. I don't think there's any question he's a vast improvement over Berrios. The quicker he gets healthy, the better for this offense. You know, I have to be honest with you. I was not expecting Crowder to be a huge part of this offense this season. He may end up playing a much bigger role than I was expecting. And after a couple of weeks of Berrios being a featured player in this offense, I welcome it and I look forward to it. B.J. Goodson retired after a brief stint with the Jets. He's a linebacker the Jets just picked up. After eight days with the team, he decided to retire. 
linebacker position is kind of a question mark. Goodson has some experience, so I guess you know you don't you don't love to see that. I'm not sure how much it really impacts the Jets, but BJ Goodson did decide to retire yesterday. In other news, John Franklin Myers missed practice with a calf injury, so we'll monitor that situation. And the other Jets player to appear on the injury list is Jamie and Sherwood. Returning from an ankle injury, he suffered the first game against Carolina. He was a limited participant in practice. So that's the injury report. That's the big news for the Jets from Wednesday. Now ahead here on our show, Cody is going to lead us in from Locked On Broncos. It will be our crossover Thursday show here on the Locked On Podcast Network. The Locked On Broncos guys will ask me questions in the next segment, and then after that, I will ask them questions about their team ahead here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Now, when the Jets take the field this Sunday in Denver, they're going to be looking to repair their record after a difficult beginning to 2021. If you're looking to repair your car or truck, go to rockauto.com. RockAuto.com is a family business, serving auto parts customers online for over 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at RockAuto.com are always reliably low, and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com It is Crossover Thursday all across the Locked On NFL Network. Week 3 is fast approaching and we are joined here on the Locked On Broncos side of things. We're joined by John Butchko, host of the Locked On Jets podcast. And we're very thrilled to join John's audience here at Locked On Jets to talk about Sunday's matchup between both teams. John, how you doing, my man? I'm doing well and I am excited about this Sunday because no matter what happens, the Jets will not lose to the Broncos' third string quarterback this year. So we've already we've already <laughs> improved from where we were last year. Oh man, that Thursday night football matchup, you know, Sam Darnold. I just remember Sam Darnold running for this big touchdown, 60 plus yards, and I thought to myself, man, this is ugly. And then Brett Rippin throws three interceptions. But he it was like an entertaining back and forth game that you know, unfortunately, you probably remember this too with Greg Williams. Just all the defensive penalties just came back. Uh, to kind of haunt the Jets. But you know what? There's a new regime in New York here, John. And I want to talk about Robert Sala. You know, I've been a very big fan of Robert Sala from his time in San Francisco in terms of his leadership stature. And the way that he can run a defense is, is fantastic. But for the most part, he inherits a Jets team that, you know, is going undergoing a little bit of a culture change and a lot of change from Adam Gase. To you, what has been the biggest noticeable difference so far here in 2021 with Robert Sala in comparison to a guy like Adam Gase? It's funny to say because the Jets are 0-2 and they just lost their last game by 19 points, but this has been a more competitive football team than last year. Their first half against Carolina, now they looked as bad as they were in 2020. Last year, after that first half, they go out and they lose that game by 30 points. They showed fight in the second half against the Carolina Panthers. They made it a game, didn't quite get there, but... You saw guys flying to the football. You saw guys playing hard into the second half. Now, week two against New England, you look at the scoreboard, it was ugly, 25-6. to six. Jets lose by 19 points. That was really just because Zach Wilson had a terrible game. And you know, I'm sure we'll get to that. He threw four interceptions, first 11 passes. He looked kind of lost. The rest of the team 
you saw a lot of good performances. The Jets were able to run the ball, and over the last few years, it's been very rare to see the Jets control the line of scrimmage with their offensive line, but they did that. They were able to establish the run, and on the defensive side of the ball, they were able to limit the big plays. Now, look, this is an undermanned unit. This is not a unit with a ton of household names. You're playing a lot of unheralded guys. You're playing a lot of guys who are late-round picks, but they're playing hard, and they're preventing the big plays. They're flying to the football they're making tackles. They're being physical. It hasn't translated to wins and losses yet, but there's a professionalism this year. There's a competitiveness this year that you did not see for most of 2020. Well, that's great to hear. I mean, us Broncos, you know, observers, fans, analysts, any whatever you want to call it, we we can relate to that. And I mean, Vic Fangio has consistently made lemonade with the lemons that have been put back in, in his defense with all the injuries the Broncos have had. So obviously a, a couple of key injuries and in focus for the Jets this season. I mean, just from an outsider's perspective, um, losing Carl Lawson, absolutely huge. Losing Mekhi Becton for however long that's going to be, absolutely huge. So how are the Jets kind of dealing with those two major injuries on either side of the ball? The Carl Lawson injury really hurts. Now, they made a deal with the Houston Texans. They got another guy named Lawson, Shaq Lawson, who is a pretty good player, and they only gave up a sixth-round pick. So it was a good deal, but he's not going to replace what Carl Lawson was supposed to bring to the table. And he's the one guy I would say was an unreplaceable player on the defense because the way they want to play is they want to minimize the big play. They don't really have the corners who can play press coverage. So they're playing a lot of off coverage. They're leaving the underneath part of the field open. So that means you have to have linebackers who can move to the ball quickly. And over the off season, CJ Mosley lost weight. The Jets actually drafted a couple of guys who were safeties in college and moved them to linebacker because they wanted to get fast there. Well, the issue with that is if you're playing a bunch of small linebackers, they're not going to be able to shed blocks. So Jets have gone big on the defensive line. They have a four-man defensive line, but one of their defensive ends is John Franklin Myers, who really more of an interior type defensive lineman. And he's a good player. You know, he had a he had an excellent season last year, according to Pro Football Focus, top 10 in the NFL for hurries among defensive linemen. And he can collapse the pocket, but you need somebody off the edge if you're going to play that way, because essentially you're playing with three 300-pound defensive linemen. You're not going to get a big pass rush out of them, which means you need a big-time guy on the outside. And it's something that's going to limit what the Jets can do defensively this year. There's no question about it. Again, I like the move they made for Shaq Lawson. They have a guy who was an undrafted free agent last year, Bryce Huff, who's in context pretty solid. He's an undrafted free agent. He's doing more than what you would expect, but it's going to be difficult to deal with the loss of Carl Lawson this year. Now, on the offensive side of the ball, the Jets actually do have pretty decent depth on the offensive line. They have George Fant, who moves from right tackle to left tackle. He's got experience playing left tackle during his earlier days with the Seattle Seahawks. And they signed Morgan Moses this offseason from Washington. Moses is a pretty experienced right tackle. In fact, if you looked at some of the big runs that I mentioned last week, he threw the key block on a number of them, a really good run blocker. In fact, in some ways, I feel like he should have been the starting right tackle over Fant. Fant's not going to be Mekhi Becton. The offensive line's going to take a hit, but this is the rare year where the Jets actually have decent offensive line depth, and they can, at least to a certain extent, weather the loss of Becton, even though you'd much rather have him in there. Well, I think it's good, too, to build on that depth, to get some of these young guys some valuable experience against a very tough pass rush that the Broncos do present. I think it's going to be a good challenge for them, but I kind of wanted to focus on the offensive side of the ball. Obviously, with Zach Wilson, he's got a big-time arm. I mean, his uh, one of his throws last week was clocked at 55 miles an hour. I don't know who wants to catch that, you know, regardless with their hands. I mean, that's 
velocity right there. You know, because he's got such a strong arm, I think it's a little president. You're going to see him kind of throw balls into tight windows and test a little bit. I mean, that's something he even alluded to. I like his press conferences as well, by the way, because he's very open. He's very candid. Gives great answers. But I want to talk about one offseason acquisition I feel like will probably be a real big difference maker. I like what I saw a little bit in the preseason. But how is Corey Davis come in from Tennessee and kind of fit in with the offensive mold there at the wide receiver position? It's a tale of two games. Against Carolina, he may have been the best Jets player on offense. He caught a couple of touchdown passes. And I can tell you, like even going to watch Jets, Jets practice in training camp, there was a real chemistry between Wilson and Corey Davis. At this point, Davis is Zach Wilson's go-to guy. Now, last week against New England, he lost his matchup against J.C. Jackson. There were a couple of interceptions that were intended for him. Of the four, the first two were intended for Davis. He was covered on the first one. He lost his matchup. Wilson should not have tried to throw the ball to him. And I would have liked to have seen Davis fight back to the ball a little bit harder. He maybe could have broken up the interception, even though the pass wasn't going to be completed. The second interception was a ball Davis could have had. Now, a bad decision by Wilson. He tried to force one down the field into traffic, but the ball did hit Davis in the hands. Not not an easy catch by any stretch of the imagination. It was a little high. He had to reach back a little bit. He was kind of flying through the air, but for the money Davis is making, the fact he's the Jets' number one receiver, that's a ball you'd like to see him come up with. And throughout the game, he was really kind of black blanketed by J.C. Jackson. That said, I think the Corey Davis you, you saw week one is going to be the guy you see through most of the season. I think last week, even though it was a bad game, was kind of an aberration. As I mentioned, there's a real chemistry between Wilson and Davis, and I think that that's going to flourish throughout this season. You have to keep building on that, and obviously we're looking forward to that matchup. The Broncos secondary against Corey Davis, and Braxton Berrios has been a guy that's been getting some run to on the offensive side of the ball. Obviously, I'm looking forward to, you know, hopefully at one point seeing Denzel Mims play for the Jets. I know that's been a little bit of a wait-and-see approach there, but, you know, John, coming up here in just a moment, we're going to flip the script, and we're going to talk Denver Broncos in this matchup from a Jets perspective, how the Broncos might try to attack them, or even some of the other storylines that's currently impacting the Broncos coming up here in just a moment. But before we do that, let me tell you about the two sponsors of today's episode of the show. It's a good friends over there, betonline.ag and get upside. We are fast approaching week three of NFL action, ladies and gentlemen, and BetOnline.ag is your number one go-to for all your pro and college football action. If you need anything from contest information, updated odds, props, and contests, they have you covered at BetOnline.ag, the number one source for everything football in the 2021 season. Not to mention, ladies and gentlemen, you can get in on all the action by heading to the website, or you can use your mobile device to sign up today, and you can get a 100% welcome bonus when you use promo code locked on that's double your initial deposit courtesy over there betonline.ag from football basketball boxing to your favorite vegas casino games betonline.ag has you covered for everything with the amazing offers that are around for the 2021 season don't miss out on the action betonline the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action your online sportsbook experts and our good friends over there at get upside and listeners of broncos country are making up to 25 cents per gallon cash back every time that they use the Get Upside app, which is available and free to download in the App Store or Google Play. And when you sign up, use promo code TOUCHDOWN, and you could get an additional $0.25 cents 
on your first gallon when you fill up. That's up to 50 cents cash back on your first tank today. And those who are very active, they have to drive for work back and forth. If you use your vehicle, get upside is something that you need in your pocket. And some users are making up to 200 to $300 per month just in cash back alone by using the Get Upside app, depending on how much you drive. If you're going everywhere, Get Upside has you covered, ladies and gentlemen. They also make it easy for you to cash out whenever you want, whether you have a bank account attached to it, your PayPal, or you can even get Amazon or e-gift cards for other brands as well. Download the Get Upside app today to start making money back and never have to pay full price again at the pump as long as you are using the Get Upside app. Once again, promo code TOUCHDOWN will help you get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank fill up today. Crossover Thursday here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Locked On Jets, Locked On Broncos crossover show ahead of their week three matchup. Well, guys, I have to begin by asking about Teddy Bridgewater. I know he was competing with Drew Locke for the starting job in training camp. One thing that I noticed that was kind of interesting about Bridgewater is that although he's a guy who has a reputation for being kind of a check down artist. It looks like he's been throwing the ball down the field the first couple of weeks. Can you comment on Teddy Bridgewater's performance so far? Well, it's been pretty outstanding from our perspective. I mean, I think the expectations from many fans were so low going into this season that it would have been almost impossible for Teddy Bridgewater to not exceed the expectations, right? I mean, it was we know exactly what Teddy Bridgewater is. We know what he brings to the table. He's a journeyman. He's check down Teddy. He's this, he's that. Um, so far, you know, he's second in the NFL behind Russell Wilson by, I think, 0.2 yards uh, in terms of air yards per target. Uh, so, I mean, he's definitely proven a lot of people wrong in that regard just over the course of two games. We know it's a small sample size, but he also set a franchise record for completion percentage in a debut start back in week one. He's he's done some incredible things. I, mean, I think there's only four players in NFL history that have the um, it, his completion percentage through two games two touchdowns, no interceptions, only four guys in NFL history have done, you know, put up the numbers that he has. So it's kind of crazy what he's been able to do in a short amount of time, just kind of proving the quarterback competition, to be honest with you, like throughout the offseason, training camp, preseason, like everybody thought this is really, really close. And even Vic Fangio talked about it on a daily basis. Like, yeah, I mean, you guys can see out there, there's not a whole lot of separation, but, I mean, Teddy Bridgewater has been awesome in the first two games, which is kind of crazy. But at the same time, I think considering, like we talked about before the show, you know, the Broncos are 2-0 to start the season for the first time in a few years. And uh, it's definitely kind of galvanized the fan base a little bit. I mean, there's certainly some people who are still trying to poke holes in it. Well, it's against the Jaguars and the Giants. Well, it's this, it's that. You know, I think there's there's plenty of reason for people to be excited about it at this point. And he's doing, Teddy's been doing things, like you mentioned, with the deep balls. But not even just that. He's been doing a lot of different things in terms of playmaking, um, pushing the ball downfield on, on third and fourth down. Uh, when called upon. So he's been doing a lot of things that a lot of people I think didn't think that he could do. Who are Teddy's go-to guys on this offense? Well, you know, one of them was uh, Jerry Judy week one. He had six catches on, you know, on, on seven targets. He had 72 yards and, you know, in the game before he went down with a high ankle sprain. And then last week it became Cortland Sutton who was targeted, if I'm not mistaken, 12 times. He had nine catches over 150 yards, no touchdowns on the day for Cortland, but he emerged as the next big target. So I'd say right now, if you look at the sample size and the data between Cortland, the next guy up in line, probably in terms of target, you know, share right there will more than likely be Noah Fant just because 
because of the amount of volume he'll see. But Tim Patrick in two weeks has caught a touchdown pass from Teddy Bridgewater. So he's kind of spreading the ball around a little bit, which you like to see. They've tried getting KJ Hamler involved a little bit more, but uh, you know he hasn't made any of those plays just yet. So right now I'd say go Cortland Sutton, Noah Fant, Tim Patrick as those three primary targets. How good is this offensive line? It seems to be a bit of a work in progress, to be honest with you. Um, you know, we went into the season kind of feeling like, man, they're going to take a nice step forward, even with the Jawan James injury, kind of the question mark there at the right tackle position. With Mike Munchak now, and I believe this is his third year as an offensive yep. line coach for Denver. So everybody's kind of assuming, okay, they're going to take that next step forward. But Vic Fangio talked about in, in one of his press conferences earlier in the week, the fact that teams are really just throwing everything that they can at the Broncos to stop the run. And they're loading up the box. I mean, there was a number of plays the Jaguars had nine guys in the box and then just a deep safety and then a corner out wide. So a lot of those different types of things they are throwing a lot of different looks at the Broncos. And, and I think the offensive line is kind of getting blamed a little bit for the lack of like really big chunk yardage in the run game. Everybody wants to see perfect balance, you know, right? Teddy Bridgewater has done a really good job of throwing the ball against these stacked boxes, but the running game has, has been a little bit more tough sledding. I mean, it's been a lot about Javante Williams kind of making yards after contact. Melvin Gordon has one big 70 yard run that that's contributed significantly to the Broncos total run yardage total. So, but we talked with Tim Jenkins on another episode earlier this week about the offensive line. We asked him about that and he said, look, like the offensive line, I think is playing really well. So to the naked eye um, watching the games, it kind of seems like, man, it's really tough for the running game to get going. What's going on with the offensive line or Teddy Bridgewater's getting pressured a couple times here though. He took three sacks against the Jacksonville Jaguars. What's going on with that? But like Tim mentioned to us, you know, Teddy likes to hold on to the ball a little bit longer. And and the run game has faced a, a significant amount of things that defenses are throwing at him to try to make Teddy Bridgewater beat these teams. And so I think overall the offensive line has been, been solid, um, but maybe not quite the expectations that everyone had going into the season. Now, heading into this week, many Jets fans were terrified about facing the one-two punch of Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. The bookend pass rushers, it seems like the Jets may have a little bit of a reprieve with Chubb's injury. Who's the next man up in this Denver pass rush? Well, kind of like last year when uh, Von Miller was out against the Jets, it was uh, Bradley Chubb, it was Malik Reed. Malik Reed is now going to be opposite of Von Miller. You're going to see a rotation of Andre Mintz and Jonathan Cooper uh, behind Malik Reed. I'll see spelling those guys from time to time, but you're going to primarily see those two guys who've been working very closely together since uh, 2019. Von has taken Malik Reed under his wing, and he's been a, a tremendous surprise player and obviously he stepped up in a big way last year for the Broncos after Vaughn went down with an injury so he's going to do the same thing here opposite of Bradley Chubb this looks like a really really solid Denver defense on paper is there any weakness that the Jets could exploit in this game that you guys see well you just saw Josie Jewell go on IR with a with a season-ending pectoral injury so that's the main communicator of the defense you know Alexander Johnson has been around for a while now but he hasn't been the main communicator of the defense it's been Josie Jewell so now you've got either Alexander Johnson or potentially the young Justin Cernod coming in and being the main communicator of the defense. And there's an opportunity right there, I think, just in terms of communication. Hey, get these – the Vic Fangio's defense, we know his scheme is all about guys being in the right place at the right time all the time. And and so that that could be potentially an issue. I think also, too, you know, with the injury to Bradley Chubb, can they get enough – 
pressure off the edge to, to let that coverage hold up on the back end? Those are my two primary questions, I would say, especially going into this particular game. Well, guys, here's to a great game on Sunday. I feel like Jets fans have a certain kinship with the Broncos because for all those years, you were what stood between New England and the Super Bowl. So hope, hope we have a good game, and I wish you luck the rest of the way. Absolutely, John. Thank you so much. Looking forward to this matchup. You know, I'm a big fan of Zach Wilson. I want to see him have success, and, and obviously I want to see Robert Sala have success as well. I know it's going to take some time, but I think that the Jets have the right guy in place, in position, and I'm looking forward to a very fun matchup this Sunday.